How's everybody doing? Good. Well, we've been really blessed to be at the seminar, the Prophecy Seminar that we've been going through each weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, just to let you know, tomorrow or tonight actually, will be the United States in Bible Prophecy. And No, no, that's not true. Tonight is Revelations Lady in Red and a message called Restart. So we're looking at Babylon of Revelation chapter 17 this evening. And tomorrow night at 6.30, so they start 6.30 tonight also, tomorrow night will be the United States in Bible Prophecy and the Mark of the Beast. So very, very pertinent messages. I mean, prophecy is fulfilling all around us. So we're going to be looking at that both tonight and tomorrow night. But before we begin our message this morning, I just ask that you'd bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word. The living word of God. And Father, I pray that you would teach us this morning. Lord, as I share my personal experience with you, I pray that that our minds would be pointed to Christ, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. We're going to look in chapter 2. Now, before we begin reading in Ecclesiastes, I want to give a little disclaimer. Now, I'm going to be sharing my testimony. And one of the things about testimonies is that it's, it's sharing how Jesus has led in an individual's life. And I want to share something with you. The best testimonies in, in the Bible are the testimonies of people like John the Baptist, people like Jesus, who never turned away. Meaning, yes, you know, G- Jesus was perfect, but John had sinned, surely. But, but John never lived a life of, you know, living in, in sin per se, as, con- you know, living some evil life. He was actually had ho- the Holy Spirit from his birth. And those are the most powerful testimonies. No one has to leave Jesus to have a testimony. John has the best testimony as a faithful witness his whole life. And so you do not have to leave. So young people do not feel like you have to leave Jesus to get to know him. Amen? Amen. Now, in our Bibles, in Ecclesiastes, the preacher, it says, in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, notice some of uh, Solomon's words, some of his own personal testimony. He said in Ecclesiastes 2 verse 3, I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting my my heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good for the sons of men which they should do under under heaven all the days of their life. He says, I made great works, I built houses, I planted vineyards, and I made gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kinds of Fruits. I made pools of water to water there with the wood or the trees that bring forth trees. I had servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered also silver and gold and peculiar treasures of the kings of the provinces. And I got uh, men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were in Jerusalem before me. Also my wisdom remained with me. And he says in verse 10, And whatsoever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. 
I withheld not from my heart, from, I withheld from my heart not any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all the labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. So get the picture here. Solomon, one of the richest men that has ever lived. This man had everything. He literally had everything. It said that he, he sought to acquaint himself with wine, meaning he was a drinker, and so he would drink, but he said, I was still able to retain my wisdom. I, I, I can guarantee with the things that Solomon did, you may remember, how many wives did this man have? Several. Several, that's right. He had several, and that's an understatement. He had a thousand wives. A thousand. This man, he had all the wine he wanted. If there were drugs in this, his day, I'll bet you he, he partook of them. Because he said there was no pleasure that I kept back from myself. And so he has a thousand women. He has a, you know, the most beautiful house you can imagine of anybody around. This man lived the life. He had music all the time. Anytime he wanted, he had men singers and women singers. You see, back then, people didn't have iPads or iPods or these kind of things or their phones so they could listen to music 24-7 or radios. So the only way to have it is if somebody was actually playing, right? And so this is what we have. See, we have this picture of Solomon's experience, and he had everything he wanted. So you can think, if anybody would have been happy by the things of this world, it would have been Solomon, right? But notice what he says in response to all of this in verse 11. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold... All was vanity. Do you, do you have a newer translation? What's it say? Meaningless. It was all meaningless. It was all vanity. He says, I looked on all the things that I had had, and it was vanity. The King James uses this phrase that doesn't make much sense. He says, vexation of spirit. Some of the newer translations say, it was like grasping after the wind. He looks at all these things that he had had, all these things that he had, he had obtained, and he says it was like grasping after the wind, and there was no profit under the sun. You say, what are you talking about? You had all the money. Basically, the Bible says he was so wealthy with gold that silver to him was like nothing. That's how wealthy he was. That silver was literally like nothing. This man was so insanely wealthy, he had all the women he wanted. All the things that he could possibly desire to obtain, he was able to accumulate in his life. And he looked at it all and he said it was like grasping after the what? The wind. Meaning that these things, and you know how it is. I'm sure all of us, there's been things in this world that we wanted to obtain, that we wanted to acquire. And once we are actually able to possess them, what happens is we grab hold of them thinking they're going to bring happiness. And when we actually get them, it doesn't bring the fulfillment that we thought it would. Can anybody testify? Say, yeah, I've had that experience in my own life with something. Yes, I've had that personally. That I was seeking after things. Solomon was seeking after things. Many times, and I see it with young people today, and it boggles my mind. I could see through it even as a young person. Even when I was, I believe, unconverted, I could still, I think, I, I think back then, that I could still see. I would look at people on TV. I'll just be totally honest with you. I remember back in the day, sitting watching Britney Spears on MTV talking, and I remember looking at her, and I saw in her eyes, she is not a happy person. I could just see that. And I'm not putting the girl down. 
She has obtained what the world would think would bring happiness, and it hasn't brought happiness. We see that. We see movie stars. We see sports stars. We see these different people who have obtained the great things the world has to offer, and to them, it's like grasping after the wind. What happens when you try to grasp wind? It always does what? It always goes through your fingers. That you thought it would bring happiness, but it doesn't. And I can testify, I did not have everything Solomon had, don't have all the wisdom of Solomon, nor do I have all the riches, nor I haven't had a thousand wives yet either, right? I've only had one, praise God, and I have a wonderful one, right? So I don't need a thousand like Solomon did, but here's the thing. He found that all of these things did not bring the happiness that he thought they would, and I can tell you this, and and I'm so happy, and this is no glory to me, but I began to realize Even when I was back in high school, I went to a school that was actually, actually, I'll even back up further. When I was a little boy, I was raised in a Christian home. I was not raised in an Adventist home, but I was raised in a Christian home in what's called a Christian Reformed Church. It's a a Calvinistic denomination after the, you know, reformer John Calvin. And I grew up in Calvinism and went to church every single Sunday with my family And I remember as a little five-year-old boy, right around the age of five, I had bunk beds in my bedroom, and I remember sitting on my bunk bed, and I remember just talking to Jesus, and I loved Jesus as a little five-year-old boy. I loved him. And it was such a blessing. But I'll tell you, then things began began to come into my life, and those things began to cause fear. We lived in a neighborhood. It wasn't the best neighborhood. It wasn't the worst either. But people would try to come and try to steal uh, from us, you know, as, you know, if we were riding our bikes, they might try to steal our bikes or these kind of things. And so we would have to, you know, run from these kids. And, And I remember that it began to create a sense of fear in me. And that fear turned to anger. Because as I was getting a little older, I wanted to be big enough to fight against these people. I wanted to be able to do whatever I could. And so, and what happened was, in my fear, I never one time ever turned to Jesus. I never turned to God, not once. I always thought of how I could take care of myself. I began to trust in self. And I began to slip away from Jesus. I never questioned that he existed. I always knew there was a God. Meaning, I couldn't lie to myself and say there's no God. I mean, there, there, there clearly was. I mean, nature reveals to us, the Bible says, that there is a God. Even as we shared in the seminar, Richard Dawkins, the foremost atheist on the planet, he says that when he looks at the universe, when he looks at the great time expanse, when he looks at all of these things, it makes him want to worship God. But he said, but I reject the idea because I believe in evolution. But his heart knows there's a God. And I knew there was a God, but I didn't follow him. I, I began to fall away, and imperceptibly, it wasn't, I, I don't think there was a day where I decided I wasn't going to walk with God, but it just kind of happened over time. And when you let go of God, something happens. Something happens, because it is humanity's greatest desire. Humanity's greatest desire is to be happy. Did you know that? Humanity's greatest desire, your, it doesn't matter who you are, every single human being, our greatest desire is to seek happiness. And you may be thinking, yeah, but sometimes God just doesn't want our happiness. That's actually not true. Let me share with you a beautiful quotation that I put in the back of my Bible. This is such a beautiful quote. This is, this, we read this, man's strongest impulse urges him to seek his own happiness. 
And the Bible recognizes this desire and shows us that all heaven will unite with man in his efforts to gain true happiness. Your greatest desire, my greatest desire, is to seek our own happiness. And the Bible recognizes this desire. And and it testifies that God will do everything he can in order for you to obtain true happiness. But here's the thing. When we seek for happiness in the things of this world, we never, ever find happiness. We find temporary pleasure. I can attest to that. Do you think Solomon had fun sometimes in these in these sinful indulgences that he partook of, yes or no? For sure he had fun, but did he find peace and joy in his heart as he partook of all these things? No, he would not wake up in the morning, and there I was loving Jesus as a little child, but I began to fall away from him. And then I began to seek to replace him with the things of this world. I began to seek out the things of this world to find happiness. Uh, It was just a matter of time. As you're a child, you know, you're just looking for fun. You're just looking for a good time. But as I got older, you know, I remember my dad was a drinker. And we always had a liquor cabinet in the house. And so, uh, but, you know, the stuff tasted awful. But one day my friends were over and they wanted some of the alcohol. And so I gave them some. And over a matter of time, I began to drink myself. And You know, even before the drinking, I think of this. My my mom was a smoker. My dad later became a, 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 you know, cigar user. Praise the Lord. Both of them have gained the victory over that to this day, which is a real blessing. Uh, But I can say this, that my, I got into smoking for the very first time because my grandfather was over, my uncles were over, and they were all having cigars together. And they said, hey, why don't we give the kid one? So they thought, well, why don't we just give Chad one? So they gave me my first cigar. And, you know, they wondered, oh, is he going to get sick? Well, I didn't get sick. And I can tell you this, uh, I very rapidly after that became addicted to tobacco. Very, very addicted to tobacco. This is something I discovered that I have, what you have by nature, I have an addictive personality. And so anything I would partake of, I would just do it and I would do it to excess. So I began to be a smoker. And at first it, it felt good because sin doesn't feel bad initially, generally. It actually feels good. So I began to partake of it and caught a little buzz. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. And, but then after a while, the thing with sin is, initially it feels good, but after a while, just to feel normal, you need your addiction. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, that just to feel normal, that if you're not having your addictive substance, you actually feel below normal. But just to get back to what everybody else feels like, you need to have your substance. And I got to that point. And what it is, is that I was seeking after happiness. I was seeking after something, but it would never actually give me that which I was desiring. And then time passed, and like I said, with the alcohol. Alcohol came after the smoking, and we grabbed some of Dad's liquor, and there was always plenty in the house, and so I could drink as I pleased. And as I was drinking initially, that was even more exciting because it gave more of a a good feeling than the cigarettes did. But the thing is that I discovered as I did this night after night after night after night, and the thing is, I didn't just do it for, you know, for social reasons or with friends. I would actually drink myself to sleep at night. I would drink myself to sleep at night. And what was interesting is, though the things of this world, the Bible doesn't lie to us and tell us sin is just painful. Now, it tells us sin, what does it do between us and God? 
it separates. It does tell us that. But it doesn't say that there's no pleasure in sin. On the contrary, uh, the book of Hebrews tells us, it talks about sin as the passing pleasures of sin for a season. Meaning that sin is a pleasurable thing, but it says they are passing and they only last a season. That means they only last a time period. Does that make sense? This is what the Bible says. And so I was, I was doing these things, and they would cause a bit of pleasure, but one of the things I began to discover is that though I was doing all these things, I would have fun at night or on the weekends or at the parties, but when I would wake up in the morning, I would wake up and discover that I was empty. I was empty. These things, I would go to grasp them, and they would always elude my grip. I wasn't able to actually obtain them. And I always looked forward to my happiness being fulfilled at some future time. Meaning, uh, happiness will come on the weekend, Friday night. Happiness will come on spring break. Happiness will come with the next relationship, what have you. And I was always seeking a future happiness. And my best friend Andy was an atheist at the time. Didn't believe in God. I did, but I just didn't follow God. I, I knew there was a God, but, but never thought about him, didn't pray to him, almost never thought about him. And I just, you know, I knew he was there, but didn't follow him. But Andy, at some point, he said something very interesting to me. I'd never even thought of this. Andy said, I want to get to the point in my life where I am content all the time. I want to get to the point in my life where I'm content all the time. And I had never even thought that could be possible because in my mindset, the future, the future was always when happiness was. Or maybe at the party. Or maybe this. But then I would wake up empty. But Andy even sprinkled into my mind the possibility that humans could get to the point where they are content all the time. Little did I know that the Apostle Paul said himself... I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. The Apostle Paul said, I have learned. Now, now keep in mind, did the Apostle Paul have a, li a life of ease, yes or no? Did he have the life of Britney Spears or Solomon, yes or no? This man had beatings with rods. This man was thrown into prison. This man was shipwrecked and sat in the sea for over 24 hours, just, you know, swimming in the ocean. This man had been stoned with stones, people trying to kill him multiple times. And strangely enough, this man says, I have learned in whatever state I am to be what? Content. You have learned in whatever state you ought to be content. Are you telling me, Paul, even after being beaten, you could still have peace? And Paul would say... Whatever state I am, I, found I can be content. Paul, even when someone was stoning you, he could say, yes, Jesus was with me. You remember the apostles, as, as people came and they beat them, the Bible says that they rejoiced that they were worthy to suffer for Jesus' name. Whatsoever state we are in, we can be content if we are walking by faith in Jesus Christ. And... Here I was seeking in substances to find happiness. And you know what? I discovered, relatively young, I discovered in high school, this really doesn't make me happy. But I also began to seek out happiness in other ways, because there's other things you can seek out to find happiness. I began to seek out my joy and my pleasures in relationships with girls. 
And so I would go from girl to girl to girl, looking to fulfill the lusts of the flesh, looking to find happiness in these things. And there would be, once again, as, as the book of Hebrews tells us, these passing pleasures of sin for a season. But there would also be an emptiness that came right with these relationships. There was an emptiness that came from these things. And, you know, then I even met a young lady. I thought I was going to marry her and thought we had this wonderful relationship. And we went off to college. And, and long story short, uh, the, you know, the relationship breaks up. And you find that, well, that wasn't exactly what I was hoping it would be. And there's an emptiness. I'm seeking for this happiness. But even here in these relationships, I wasn't able to find them, to find the happiness that I was seeking for seeking more and and then there's all kinds of things in life that you may seek happiness and what then actually as I was going to college I you know basically you know so, okay I'll, I'll even go back so while I was in high school before I get back to the college part while I was in high school Andy the atheist, someone who does not believe in God, what ended up happening was we met some girls at the mall. That's what we would do. We'd go to the mall and look for girls. And, and we met some young ladies. And uh, as we met them, he, one of the girls, he got her phone number and he gave her a call and she invited him to church. Now, let me ask you men, what does every good atheist do when a young lady invites him to church? He goes to church with her, right? Because he has such a good heart, right? No, he does it because he's looking to get the girl, right? And that's exactly what Andy did. Andy went along, and this is a terrible illustration of this, because when Andy went there, uh, strangely enough, the minister was preaching, and he was preaching about Jesus, and he was preaching about giving your entire life to Jesus. And Andy's heart was actually gripped. His heart was actually gripped, and he, as he heard this message, he was so caught. I mean, I think he was probably caught off guard. He probably wasn't expecting this. And the man was, was uh, making an appeal to give your heart to Jesus, to give your heart to Jesus, to stand where you are, and to, to say, I want to give my life to Jesus if the Holy Spirit is calling you today. And Andy said he felt as if he were physically being held down. But he felt that he was being called by the Holy Spirit to stand up and give his life to Jesus. But he said he felt like he was being held down. And finally, Andy fought against that, and he stood up, and he actually gave his life to Jesus Christ. And then he came to us the next week, where we met on the, uh, you know, in the streets, on the park there, and he said, he said something that I'll never forget. He said, you know, I cannot hang out with you guys anymore. I cannot live the lifestyle that we have been living. And keep in mind, he was the atheist before. I was a, you know, thought I was a Christian. There was nothing about me that was Christ-like. The thoughts of my heart were only evil continually, as Genesis chapter 6 says. But what happened was Andy said, I can't live this lifestyle. I can't be doing the drugs, drinking, this kind of stuff. I can't be messing around with girls like this. And just so you know, he didn't do it for the girl. Ultimately, in the end, he didn't give his life to Jesus for the girl because he left her right after that. He actually did it for Jesus' sake, not for her. Amen? And as I heard Andy saying, I can't do these things anymore, something actually was, was happening in my heart. Because I could think back on my life. I didn't find peace and joy in these things. Did I find some pleasure? Sure I did. But when I, as I said, I've said time and again that when I would wake up in the morning, I was empty. Empty. 
God's, God's desire is not for us to wake up every day with an emptiness in our heart. That's not His will. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, right? It goes on and on. These are the things God wants us to experience as Christians. And I looked at Andy standing before me, and I realized Andy had discovered what all of us were looking for. Andy had found something that was not like grasping after the wind. And Andy was, he had found it, and and he was ready to go forward because he knew. And here's the thing, I'm going to let you know. When Andy went to this church, nobody told him he had to stop doing drugs. Nobody told him he had to stop drinking alcohol. Nobody told him he had to stop messing around with the girls. But guess what? There's a Holy Spirit. And Andy knew, he knew that these things had to come to an end. And he stopped just like this. And his example began to change my life. And so now I I ended up going to church with him, kind of a charismatic church. And I still didn't know, I still didn't have the relationship that I really needed to have with God. You see, in this church, uh, we would go there and there there was the, the rock band playing and the dancing and the singing and all these things and lights and everything. And so here I am at this church and, and it was filled with emotion. And emotion can be a wonderful blessing. But it also can be something that we can create by human devisings, Right? We can actually make that. I'll give you an example. Uh, My friend who, he also, my friend uh, Scott, who was friends with Andy and I, we we all were friends together, lived this, they were in a punk band together, and they, you know, they would just, you know, play this, you know, insanely crazy music and just insanely loud, I mean, just insanely loud. I would go to their practices and so forth. And Scott and I, and actually all of us, we'd listen to this music together, and we would listen to different kinds of music, maybe 70s music, 80s love ballads, and all all different kinds of music, you know, hard rock, whatever it was, all kinds of stuff. But one of the things we remember, looking back, Scott and I, we, we remember that we would listen to these songs, these secular songs, they were, they were love songs. And as you were listening to the song, what, what we say is that we would actually feel like we were in love while we were listening to the song, even though we didn't have a girlfriend. We felt like we were, oh, we felt like we were in love. Now, do you see that it is possible to create an emotion that is not based on reality, yes or no? And so here I was, strangely enough, I was going to a church and I was now listening to music that was very similar to the music of the world, but it was now, instead of singing about Amanda in the song, it was singing about Jesus, right? Very, very similar. And so we were all there, and I, you know, sometimes you can notice things in other people that you don't notice in yourselves as much, right? We get annoyed with others when many times we should be annoyed with ourselves, right? But I noticed Andy... When we were at church, when the singing, with the dancing, with the rock band, with all these things, that Andy was just living the life in church. He was just connected to God while he was there in that atmosphere of, of, you know, this singing and dancing and so forth. But then when we would go home, after a couple days, it was like that, that relationship just deteriorated. Now, here's the thing. What if the only time I felt like I was in love with my wife was when music was playing. Love music. Ladies, would you like that if the only thing that made your husband feel like he loved you was turning on the right kind of music, yes or no? You probably wouldn't like that, would you? Now, music, music is meant to touch the heart, so it's not innately bad. But here's the thing. We were not having a relationship with Jesus based upon the Word of God. 
we were not reading the Bible. I was not reading the Bible at all. And strangely enough, and I shared this a little bit at the meetings, I met an, another atheist, and he began to challenge me. And he said, so you're a Christian? I said, yes. And he said, have you read the Bible? And I said, well, no. He said, you're a Christian. You, don't even, you haven't even read the book you believe in. And I said, yeah, I guess that's pretty ridiculous, isn't it? And long story short, it was because of that atheist that I read the Bible through for the very first time. Because I decided I'm not going to look like a fool again. And so I began to read the Bible through for the very first time. And interestingly enough, changes began to take place as I was reading the Bible. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But here I am, and, and I'm trying to get to know God, and, and I'm, I'm starting to read the Bible. But I, I hadn't had a full conversion experience, although I was, you know, uh, trying to walk with God. And so as I'm pressing forward, I'm still chewing tobacco, and I'm, I'm, I'm not living the best life yet. I'm, I'm beginning to quit alcohol and so forth. And, and, but so, so progress is being made. And then I go to college, and as I'm in college, what happened was, you see, we can search for, we can search for happiness in substances, we can, like Solomon, maybe search for happiness in money or finances or a nice house or a nice car, per se. Or we can look forward in relationships with people of maybe the opposite sex, these kinds of things. Or you go even further, and here I was in college, and in essence, I was trying to find happiness now in education. That we can try to find happiness here. And keep in mind, a relationship, a marriage relationship is not a bad thing. But if we're seeking to find happiness in that itself, we won't find it. But if we find happiness in Jesus, then it is possible for that happiness to continue in a relationship. Does that make sense? But if you seek first humans and think, oh, I'll let God tag along, you'll never find that. But when you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you right? When we seek the right thing first, when we seek the world, we never find it. When we seek Jesus, we actually find the happiness even on this earth. And so, so here I was in college, and you know, I'm taking this philosophy course, and in the philosophy course, we had to read a book called, uh, by Descartes. Uh, it was called On First Philosophy. And this book is kind of the basis of that saying, I think, therefore I am. And here's the thing, it's like, it's not a super long book, I don't know, maybe 100 pages plus, I don't remember, and, but it's not all that long of a book, but this book on first philosophy, he basically chose in 100 pages, get this, and I, I, as we're reading it, I mean, everybody's thinking, wow, that's so deep, man, that's so deep, I've never thought like this before, you feel like your mind's just expanding, and let me tell you what he teaches in that book, just to show you how deep I was becoming, it's so deep, what I discovered after these 100 pages was I am here. I am here. Now let me ask you a question. If you asked a four-year-old, where are you, what are they going to say? I'm right here. And it took Descartes a hundred pages to come to that conclusion, right? And we thought we were being deep. We thought, wow, this philosophy is amazing. And I look back on the things that I thought were so deep, and I begin to realize, wow, this is actually kind of silly. You see, the Bible talks about not being deceived by philosophy and vain deceit, right? We're going to look at that in just a moment. But here's the thing, so I'm looking for happiness now, even though I'm trying to come closer to God, I'm still getting off on these tangents of maybe looking for it here, maybe getting back in the relationship and thinking it's going to be there, but I'm not sincerely putting God first in everything. 
But I am reading the Bible, and the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, it says these words. It says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The Bible says we are born again by the word of God. And so here I was reading this book, and as I was reading it, it began to change me. We are born again by reading the Bible. We, by nature, actually, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, by nature, we are at enmity with the law of God. By nature, we do not like the Bible. By nature, we don't like it. That's why most Christians don't read the Bible, because they don't like the Bible. Because they are, just to be honest, because they're unconverted. But when you actually come to the point, the conversion process, the Bible says, takes place when you are in the Word of God. And the devil knows that. And so what he does is he tries to get every single one of us away from spending time in this book daily. He knows that we will be converted if we spend time in here and we open our hearts to Jesus day by day and say, Jesus, you know I'm a sinner. You know I don't deserve to read your Word. You know I feel too dirty to read your Word. But Father, I know that I'm changed by your book. And as I began to read it, I didn't even know that verse yet. I just was, didn't want to look like a fool to the atheists anymore that I hadn't read the book. But as I was reading it, a change began to take place in my life. A transformation. That I began, I went from being a man who did not like the Bible, I didn't like it, to being someone who began to love the Word of God. I slowly began one to, who loved the Word of God and began to love the one who gave us the Word of God, Jesus Christ. Though I believed in Him before, His Word began to change me. And friends, it will change you too if it hasn't yet. If it hasn't changed you yet, it will change you if you're willing. But friends, we have to step forward even when we don't feel like it. Even when we don't feel like it. And I was reading, and keep in mind, as I was reading each day, I would literally have chewing tobacco in my mouth while I'm reading the Bible. Because you got to come to Him as you... Is that true, yes or no? You can't come to God fixed all perfect up. You know, be, become, oh, come to God clean. It doesn't say, get yourself right and then come to the throne of Jesus. Does it say that? No, you have to come to Jesus just as you are. And I had to come with Him with the, to the, with the addictions with the filth, with the dirtiness of who Chad Cruiser was at the time. And listen, I'll tell you this. I am not the man that I need to be, but praise God, I'm not the man that I used to be. I'm, no, I'm not where I need to be, but I'll tell you, I'm still, I see that Jesus is still drawing me, even today, closer to Him. And I want to stay on that path with Him. I want to continue to grow. I want to continue day by day. My wife spend time together every single day in devotions. We don't miss a day because it's not an option. As, as Job said in Job chapter 23, verse 11, or 10 and 11, he tells us, My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back on the commandment of his lips. He goes on to say, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job said, I've esteemed the words of God's mouth more than food. And I, I can't remember, I may have shared it at the seminar. A friend of mine decided, he saw that verse and he said, I decided I'm gonna I want to live the life of Job, and so I will not eat food ever in a day, ever, until I have read some of the word of God first. And friends, if you make a covenant with God like that, God, I will not eat food any day until I spend time in this book first. 
I will guarantee you'll find time to read this book. <laughs> Do you think that's true, yes or no? Because I'll bet most of you find time to eat every day, don't you? You can find time, and most of us find time to be on Facebook or television or radio or what have you. And so, friends, once again, we need to say, listen, eternity is more important than the things of this world. And as I began to seek out God, I knew the things of this world didn't bring me happiness, but I was beginning to find the one who did bring the peace, the joy. And I'll tell you, life has been better since I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I can tell you, I can wake up in the morning with peace in my heart instead of an emptiness. And we turn to the Word of God. This is what we do because this is the life, the life that comes from God, from the Holy Spirit. It starts in His Word, and we read it. It begins to change our minds, and it begins to change our hearts. In closing, I'll bet some of you resonate with my story. You don't have to come from the exact background. Maybe it is similar. Maybe you were into drugs. Maybe you were into drinking. But it doesn't even have to be that. You may have never done any of those things in your whole life. But still, you were looking for something, maybe in relationships. You were looking. You were looking for happiness. You were looking for joy. And, and, and it's, it's like you just about had it. I mean, you just about had it. But it, it was like grasping after the wind. The relationship did not bring you happiness. Other people look for it. We try to, uh, you know, fill our lives with food or whatever it is, some kind of addiction, something in this world. Maybe it's television. Maybe it's Facebook. But we're looking for happiness and all these, oh, did somebody comment on my post or whatever? You know, we're, we're looking for something. We're looking for adoration of others. But it never seems to bring the joy that we hope it does. Somebody may be struggling this very day with an addiction. It could be to pornography. It could be to cigarettes. It could be to alcohol or drugs or, or maybe even the drugs prescribed from your doctor. Not that all drugs, I'm not telling you, but what I'm saying is sometimes we, we get addicted to even prescription drugs, right? It could, be, it could be anything. And Jesus wants to set us free. Jesus wants to set us free. Somebody else, maybe you've been looking, you've gone in from relationship to relationship, thinking the next one, it's got to be in this next guy. Maybe it's in this woman, she's going to bring me happiness. But friends, you will never, if you don't have contentment in Jesus, if you haven't, like Paul, learned to be content in all situations, then you will not, if you haven't found the peace in Jesus, you will not find it in another human being. The Holy Spirit works on our hearts. I know he worked on mine. And I know even like Andy, Andy told his story how he was sitting there in the chair and the Holy Spirit was stirring him, telling him, give your life to Jesus. Commit your life to him. And he, he felt like he should, but, but he actually felt a burden. i got to stand up. i got to do this. But he felt like he was being held down. And friends, I want to say, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today, Paul says, do not harden your hearts. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. I want to ask you just now, if there is someone here who you sense in your own heart, as you're sitting there listening, that the Holy Spirit is impressing you, saying, 
I want you to give your life to me completely. Maybe you've been kind of trying, even like I was, you're trying to follow Jesus, but, but, but there's still these other things you're trying to make paramount in your life. In your life. There's, there's these other things, oh, yeah, yeah, I want to follow God, but, but this relationship. Yes, I want to follow God, but, but the money. Yes, I want to follow God, but this or that or whatever. And some of these things may not even be bad. Education in itself is not bad, but when we put these things first, that's when they become an idol to us. And maybe there's someone here who feels that you have been putting something in this world. You don't need to say what it is. But you feel the Holy Spirit is saying, there's been something in your life that I want you to for now let go of and seek me first. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and saying, I want you to let go of this for now and I want you to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness that all these other things may be added unto you. Is there someone who wants to stand up just now, just where you are, and say, that's me. I know the Holy Spirit's speaking to my heart. I want to stand just now. God bless you there in the back. God bless you, sister. God bless you. Is there someone else who feels that burden upon your heart? Maybe you feel just like Andy did. You, you feel that you need to do this, but you might think, but, but the people in the church, they, they, they would think something of me. Friends, it does not matter what people think of you. God bless you, brother. God bless you. Is there someone else who feels this burden upon their heart who says, I want to, I want to seek Jesus first, not the things of this world. I sense that I've been doing that, and I feel, I know what it's like, Chad, to, to feel that emptiness, to wake up not in a, in, in a genuine relationship with peace in my heart every day, but I want to find that. I want to seek Jesus first, and I want that very same experience. Is there someone else who would like to stand and say, I want that too. That is my desire. Maybe somebody else, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. Maybe in a little different way. Maybe, maybe you desire to be, maybe you've heard these things. You know, I was baptized. I was 19 years old. I, I, be, I began to go to a prophecy seminar. And at that prophecy seminar, the Spirit was speaking to my heart. I had been baptized as a baby, and, but I had not been baptized as Jesus was, being buried in the waters of baptism and come forth the newness of life. Maybe there's someone here, the Holy Spirit's been working on your heart. Maybe for some time. And you want to make a decision. And you want to make a decision to be baptized just as Jesus was. If that is your desire, would you stand just where you are? Now, if you're standing and you want to raise your hand, amen. God bless you, sister. God bless you. Is there someone who wants to prepare for baptism either by the raising of their hand or by standing up? Is there one more? who feels that burden upon their heart, that the Holy Spirit is calling you to have your past washed away, washed away in a watery grave of baptism. Is there just one more? God bless you, brother. God bless you. Is there one more that the Holy Spirit is speaking to today that you want to let your past go and be baptized into Jesus Christ? Is there just one more? Well, friends, let us bow our heads for a word of prayer. Why don't we all stand together? Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus was sent here to this earth for me. He was sent here to this earth for all of us. That as he said, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. And Father, I recognize, I was, sometimes I know we see people up front like this, and we think, ah, they're religious, that's who they are, that's who they are by nature. And Father, I know for a fact that's not true of me. It wasn't me, it wasn't my nature that made me this way, it was the power of your Holy Spirit. And I'm not where I need to be. I want to keep forward on that, keep moving forward on that upward path. But Father, you see those who've recommitted their lives today, and we know that heaven is rejoicing right now. Bless these people. I pray that each one of us would be in your word on a daily basis, that we would have the born-again experience that takes place, not because I feel like a good person, but because as we spend time in your word, uh, committing ourselves to you morning by morning, a change begins to take place. For Father, for those who have made a decision to follow Jesus through baptism, I pray that you would bless them abundantly. I pray that they would grow closer to you in this covenant relationship that they enter into would be life-transforming. That they would have the experience that Jesus called them to have. And I pray that each one of us would have the experience of the Apostle Paul who told us that he learned in whatsoever state he was there would to be content. Draw each one of us nearer to you, I pray. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated.